This is the Green Strength Podcast with Lucius Tyree IV, where the mission is building strength, enhancing performance, and uplifting consciousness. So tune in with the mind, body, and spirit, and let's get moving. Uh, it's been an eventful 12 to 14 hours, whatever it is. Yeah, 12 hours, basically. Uh, dropped that fucking thing on my foot. Saw that my foot was split open, passed out, but I had that cocky moment. You ever get like cocky when you like feel like you're going to pass out? And it's like, I've got this. And every time I, uh, <laughs> I made it to like right past the kitchen table. And then I woke up a couple minutes later. Are you serious? You yeah. actually passed out? For the first time ever in my life. Like, no, you've never even been put to sleep in jujitsu? That, yes. But I've oh. never like physically fallen down, like passed out, like in a, you know, in the scenario where you look over yeah. and it's like, holy shit, the cabinet was right there. Like, like that was one of those, uh, how my head didn't hit the floor. Like, you know what I mean? It's like I'm on my face, but my head didn't hit first. Bro, that's terrifying. Um, yeah, it was weird. The the I, I can remember the first time being put to sleep and you have that cocky moment too where you're like, oh, this is this is good. This is, I'm, yeah. I'm in the clear. Everything's good. And then you are putting your shoes on, you're putting your socks on, you're getting ready to walk out to your car and tell everyone bye, thanks for training, and then you wake up. <laughs> and it was like, holy shit, I've been rocketed into the fucking fourth dimension. <laughs> yeah. Now, on to that, like, what about... Did you? Did anybody listen to Chris Weidman's interview after in the, oh, with no. Ariel Hawani? No. Uh, dude, it's a fascinating interview, honestly. Um, but there's some moments where you're just like, you're with him. And you're like, bro, I want to cry with you right now. Yeah. But um, he talks about how he vividly like knew every. You know how everything slows down. So in the point of that one kick before the foot even landed back down, he has a whole story of everything that was going on in his mind and stuff and all that was going on in his mind is that they are fresh started the fight it's the best he's ever felt physically and he kicked the shit out of him you know he's like i knew i kicked him so hard i saw his eyes like i saw him i could you know that energy like i could he could feel this guy wants one more at best and he's 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 hurting and then and then of course he steps back but it's like all this thought and all this emotion and feeling and then stepping back and then he's like what the fuck? he knew it was a turning point in the fight he just oh, didn't yeah. realize it was he's gonna like, go when i kick direction. this dude again like it's gonna be over uh, and then he has no foot it that will go down as one of the most ironic the injuries in mma to be um, a part of to be a part of it on both sides yeah. um with him him uh anderson you know and that and then him on uriah it, it's got it right I mean, they can't. You can't even write that. That's no. Be- and then with, yeah, like with Uriah Hall in the middle, kind yeah. of, and everything. Yeah, hundred percent. It's so weird because that. I mean, it's happened what three? Two well, let's see. It happened to Corey Hill. Um, so three times. Uh, Anderson and Chris. I want to say that. I saw yeah. another one that seemed to happen in the same weekend in a smaller, like regional promotion. Mm-hmm. Like the exact same thing. This. Kicked, step back, and his leg just. Do you retire buckled. if you're in a local? <laughs> I mean, uh, if you're like yeah, a local fighter, yes. it's like I'm done. Okay, Ooh. I'm done. Yeah, you got to right. You're done. I'm done. I'm, I'm done. I, like I, yeah. Fighting is an addiction. I'm I'm retired from MMA <laughs> after watching that. 
All right. Well, we're back here on a Green Strength Podcast. Coach Luke, mm-hmm. I'm excited about today. We've got a special guest in the studio with us. Why don't you introduce him for us? The one and only Vaughn Wood, um, a teammate, a friend. How long have you been training under Raphael? Um, let's call it 2014. Yeah. Um, there was a there was a time um, in maybe a little earlier, um, maybe let's say 2011, where I trained for about a year mm-hmm. um, before going away. And now, 2021, one of the best Masters Purple Belts in the world, um, actively competing all the time, actively getting on compo- uh, podiums all the time um like you are now considered like you are a jujitsu fighter like you are a professional jujitsu practitioner like you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um in a short amount of time like that's where you've come yeah it's crazy it is very crazy so i i was thinking i'm doing an interrupt but i was thinking about this last night as we were going to talk to vaughn and thinking about my experience with vaughn as Mm -hmm. i've been training for the last five and a half years and more than anybody, any other person, Vaughn has been in my corner for more of my competition matches than anybody. Uh, thinking about like back through it, almost every single competition match I've had, Vaughn has been on the sidelines. And like all yeah. the videos I have, every one of them, you can hear Vaughn from the first time I was able to get on the podium in Dallas. We went down together to my matches at Master Worlds that I've had and everything. So Vaughn has been sort of like a a staple in my competitive career and has been a huge inspiration for me to watch him go out as somebody again a master's competitor who hasn't been training since he was two years old or mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. and uh really has helped push me into being willing to compete because i hate i didn't want to compete and vaughn is one of those guys that's like dude you got you got to sign up and like when i sign up for a competition he's like yeah all right like he's always in my corner so um i have a lot yeah. of respect for what he's done to kind of show me a path I can follow. Yeah. Well, and now before we're here to kind of talk about a number of things, obviously we want to get back to talking about how good you are at jujitsu and all the the great things you do. That's not all we're going to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) We we have have other more important things. The downtimes in life. Let's talk about where you came from of, of what you were, who was Vaughn Wood before jujitsu and before the, the family you've created around you. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you guys uh, both very much for um, inviting me on uh, to be here with you guys. Uh, I, it's a tremendous honor. Um, I love both you very much. I'm so, uh, you know, so excited to share this with you guys. Um, and I'm very excited for where this podcast goes. Um, I've been um, hoping Luke would start one of these for a long, long, long time, um, because he has so much knowledge and so much information to give to, um, the general public, whether we're willing to hear it or not, he's always willing to let us know. Dude, I have to like, accept all that information myself too. That's the hardest part that nobody knows. Um, but yeah, uh, so, uh, I mentioned a minute ago that, um, I started training in 2011. Um, that was that is actually a really good kind of if you want to jump like into the middle of 
my worst time of my life was definitely 2000. I, I actually, it was 2009 or 2010. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was 2010. Um, the winter of 2010. Um, so I am, um, I, uh, just to kind of put a bow on this and, and just say that there is a happy ending. I am, uh, I, I got sober in 2012. Um, I'm an alcoholic. I'm a drug addict. I'm a, you know, all those things. Um, but I did, you know, I was fortunate enough to get sober and stay sober, um, in April of 2012, April 15th of 2012. And, um, so yeah, if we start in like 2010, um, those were, those were definitely the, the, the worst of the worst. Um, I was, I, I basically, um, I was an everyday drinker. I drank at work. I drank after work. I drank before work. <laughs> um, I also was a, had a very major cocaine addiction. Um, you know, um, Pretty, I mean, I say, I say cocaine addiction. I really did everything. Like if, if it was there, I did it. If it made me feel good, if it, if you could guarantee that it would make me feel good, I wanted to do it. And, um, if it would change the way I feel really more than make me feel good, I just wanted it to change the way, to change the way I felt. I chased that feeling for a really, really long time. Probably, um, I would say early two thousands is whenever I really started that, uh, down that path. Um, I had a pretty mild childhood, um, adolescence, teen years. Um, but it really started right around the age of like 19, 20, 21, um, where I really started getting crazy, um, and everyday drinking. And, uh, you know, I have, you know, I have, uh, more DUIs than I do fingers on one hand. So, <laughs> um, and I have all five fingers <laughs> on that hand. Um, but, uh, you know, I've got several, several of those run-ins, um, with the law where it wasn't, you know, I didn't do the worst things, but you know, I just, I kept, you were always in a, the trouble spot. I was always in the trouble spot and I just, man, it was like, I couldn't, I just, I couldn't get things straight. I couldn't get, um, couldn't get going down the right. Well, right see, path. that's, that's kind of the interesting thing. When I look at all these types of, uh, situations, it's like when you're in, when you're in the mess, like everybody understands what the mess is for somebody to, to a point of what they can imagine, but we're talking rock bottom. We're talking, there's no Von Wood. There is substances that are making Von Wood each day. Oh yeah. And when did you find that time of where the battle of the other side, the battle of healing, the battle of being yourself, being a father, being a better person, building a family, like doing all these things? When did that, that battle start to tug at you? And what was it like during that time? Because nobody ever just says, all right, I'm going to get sober and just gets sober immediately. Oh, yeah. I mean, it might happen once in a no, it doesn't happen. Yeah, As someone yeah. that works with um, active alcoholics, it doesn't happen. Um, so you got a long battle. You have a long game. Oh, man. So let's see. So uh, in thanks, or November of 2010, um, this is – so my bouts with sobriety were very sporadic. I would move somewhere, try to get sober. 
wouldn't work. I'd tuck tail, come home, move somewhere else, try to get sober. I mean, I did San Diego. I did Long Beach. I did, you know, I did all these places where I was going to move and they call that a geographical. Everything's going to be better. Yeah. Everything's going to be better here. My problems are back in Oklahoma. Everything's going to be better here. Um, but no, I always ended up coming back. Um, so, um, let's rewind a little bit into 2008. Um, the, so right before the election, um, the Obama election, um, I was living in long beach. Um, I was on and in and out of sobriety. I think I had gotten like six weeks or eight weeks, you know, I was feeling good. Um, you know, just starting to feel good. And, you know, I, I also battle with depression and, um, you know, everything was good, but I just, there was still some, something missing in my life and I still was super depressed and lonely. I was really lonely. And I think that that comes with the geographical chain, you know, trying to geographically relocate and, and run away from your problems. Um, but all my problems still existed. Uh, even they were just there without the substances and I'm sitting in my uh, house in long beach and, um, I remember just thinking that, you know, I didn't want to fight anymore. I didn't want to struggle anymore. I wasn't, I'm not, I was done doing this. So I took, uh, took, a, I want to say it was 40 Xanax bars, um, 40, four zero and which was plenty to overdose. Um, and I took all of them and I sent uh, a text message to my mom explaining, um, you know, why I was doing what I was doing and apologizing. And I woke up five days later in uh, a hospital um, in Long Beach. And what had happened was my mom called 911, sent an ambulance to my house while just as they were pulling up, my roommate was pulling up. My roommate sent the ambulance away and said, no, you can't come into our house. He's fine. I was, I just left. He's fine. Go away. He comes in and finds me dead, basically unresponsive, puts me in his car, drives me to the hospital, drops me off. He was drunk and high at the time. He dropped me off. He was too scared to go in. Um, and dropped me off and you know that was that was that and uh i i i say i i, I want to be very clear i don't I, I, that that's kind of how that story was relayed to me i don't remember that night um i don't remember if he went in i you know i've heard he he, you know, he sent me an email like five years ago and he's like, I heard you tell that story. And I wanted to be very clear that I, I did go in. I just didn't stay. I don't give a shit. I mean, I, I was left at this hospital and I woke up and, uh, you know, I, that was it. You know, I was, um, and this is in 2008 this is in 2008. And so you were still <laughs> going. For that wasn't more, enough. That wasn't enough. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't the turning point. That, that was, was not the turning point. Um, but I, I, I tell the, I always tell that story is because ever whenever people hear that story, they're like, wow, that had to be it. Right. Yeah. Um, well it wasn't, um, there was still more, um, 
but that's kind of, in my opinion, where the real battle started, right. where I knew life was better. And I knew that there was something on the other side. Cause I really felt sobriety at that time. And I felt I had identified that I needed that. Um, so I was able to, I was definitely able to recognize that there was something worth fighting for. Fast forward to 2010. Um, at this point, I've got a beautiful uh, son. He's a few months old. This is November of 2010. He was born in September. I've got a three-month-old son. Um, and I get into a bar fight where I'm stabbed and... Again, another extremely near-death experience. I have to. I'm rushed to OU Medical Center, put on a um, have an emergency surgery, have a chest tube. I'm in the hospital again for uh, eight days um, while they stabilize me, and you know, um, yeah. And I mean, I'm sitting there. I wake up after you know coming to after having all these surgeries, um, getting stabbed. Um, it, it punctured, it went in and out of my lung. It went on, you know, I stabbed in the chest. It was a kill shot. It wasn't like a little slash across my thigh or something. It was like a, it was like a stabbing motion into my chest and, uh, it punctured my lung on both sides. Um, and so it was almost so, I, I heard the doctor say that it was so deep that it actually helped. Um, I, I don't know the, I'm not a doctor, believe it or not. Um, but I, I don't know what that means, but it was so deep that he was like, we're able to stop, you know, um, it didn't just stop. It kept, it went all the way through, um, punctured both sides of my lung. They were able to fix that with a chest tube. Um, and again, you know, that's 2010. I'm wake up, I'm staring at my son and that's still not enough. I saw two years left where I was drinking every single day. Um, so at two near death experiences, one of my own volition, you know, um, my, and, and that's still not enough. So if that, that, these are like two years apart too. You got like a near death experience and which is even deeper than near death experience with the, yeah. the text message and the, just what, what happened. And then two years later, which is where everybody'd say another near death experience. And then you see your son, this is it. Yeah. And it's like, and it still wasn't, you know, I still, um, so kind of fast forward to 2012 and I've got literally nothing. I'm, I live in a studio apartment, um, on the North side. And I, I always tell this story and it is not a joke. I had one shoe. I did not even at that point I had gotten in a fight with somebody, uh, and they had stolen a laundry bag from my house that had all my shoes in it. I had one shoe. When I got sober, I had one shoe. Like I, I literally had one shoe. And not a pair of shoes. I had one shoe. I didn't have a car. I didn't have any of that stuff. Um, I was barely, barely a functioning member of, of society. Yeah, yeah. What was your family situation at that time? Like, because you mentioned your son. So now you're two years later after the fact, yeah. I mean, were you kind of out of touch at that point? I yeah. Mean, um, I had a girlfriend who later became, uh, who I later married. Um, but that relationship was not healthy. I wasn't, you know, I, yeah, it was not healthy. Um, 
and then my son's mom was, it was always been a really close friend, really, you know, a big part of my life. Um, we weren't on great terms cause obviously, you know, the obvious, um, so my family situation was very, I had burned almost all the bridges in my life at that point. Um, it's, I, I have such a hard time. Um, that's why I'm so fortunate to be able to tell these stories today because I, I have a hard time conveying what my life looked like back then because it is so different today. My life is so much different today and looks so much different, but it was very ugly. Um, there was no, you know, there, I didn't have a bunch of people bending over backwards to answer the phone when I called. Um, no one was picking up the phone. Let's just be very clear. No one was picking up the phone when I called. Now you said April 15th, 2012 mm-hmm. is when you decided to get sober. Mm-hmm. Like take us to that moment. Um, so uh, yeah, that was, I was out of options. I basically had been given ultimatums by every single person in my life. Um, I, I couldn't physically do it anymore. Like I could not physically drink anymore. Um, I was getting sick every time I drank. I was, I couldn't drink without doing cocaine. I couldn't, you know, there was, I was having very bad physical, um, you know, there was some major physical issues that were going on in my life. And I had, uh, been given, um, I'd been given a guy's phone number that was like, Hey, this guy went through some very similar stuff that you did. Um, get in touch with him and he can help you. And I give this guy a call, tell him, you know, I'm dying. I need help. And I was just so we're very clear. I was dying. Like I'm, I'm very confident that had I not got sober in 2012, I would not have made it to 2013. Um, so I call, um, this really, really good buddy of mine now. Um, he's basically like, you know, he's my mentor. He's my lifesaver. Um, but I give him a call, tell him, you know, I said, Hey, my name is Vaughn. I'm dying. I heard you can help. He's like, well, um, yeah, if you want, if you're willing to listen, do a good, you know, call me every day. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a list of things to do and I want you to do them. And if, if you do them, you know, great. And, uh, I think, I, I think there's a chance for you. And, uh, I did. And, um, you know, I followed some very specific steps that he laid out for me and, um, you know, and thank God, uh, I followed those diligently because I didn't want to die. I did those things because I didn't want to die. Not because they were easy, not because I wanted to do these things, not because I liked calling this guy every day. I was like, man, I got fucking nothing in common with this guy. Um, which I mean, we joke today, we have so much in common. Um, but then I was like, man, I'm, I'm just doing these things on a daily basis. So where I don't die. And he was the only one who answered the phone. He was the fucking only guy answering the phone because that's what we do. And, you know, now I'm fortunate enough, fast forward a little bit, I'm fortunate enough to get those calls now. And uh, I get to, you know, tell people this is how we, this is how we move forward. This is, this is how you stop dying. This is how you guarantee tomorrow, you know, as much as you can. Um, This is how we make sure that you don't die choking on your own vomit in your mom's basement. Now, what are like, 
What are some of the things that, that he had you do? Cause the way that I like looking at a lot of this stuff and, you know, this being like the green strength podcast where we always try to put everything back to the pillars. It's kind of like yeah. first step here is accountability to a community. Mm-hmm. Like he, he said, sure, I can help you. But the first thing is that you and I are going to have to have a, a friendship or something mm-hmm. like you've got to report to me daily. Now you have somebody. Mm-hmm. Now you start to bit it's one person tribe, but it's a tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, what other kind of things like that did he challenge you to do on a daily basis that, um, you know, there is, you know, definitely prayer and meditation. Um, you know, for me, it's, it's not a, it's, it's not that I am, you know, I don't want to say that it, it's definitely not a real, I didn't, I didn't get sober through uh religion, um, you know, but it was definitely a spiritual journey for me. And, um, but, um, uh, you know, so definitely some meditation, really getting into myself and, yeah. you know, finding something greater than myself to help me. Um, and for me, that was love. You know, I, I really. No, that's that's awesome. You said those exact things because that's that's what I didn't find. Like I didn't come up with like the green strength pillars in the sense of like, here, let me think of this fitness thing that's going to help everybody get better. I built that around coming out of my own addictions and coming out of my own depression. Yeah. And um, the more I started reading psychology and just anything I could get my hands on, I started seeing it's like, okay, that's why we have the breath. That's, that's so important. And that was your meditation. That was you just like, take a moment to be Vaughn Wood and like breathe and be real, be you. You know, the breath, breath work really came into, it's funny you brought that up. That, is actually huge into my meditation routine today. Um, and I loved, uh, you know, I, I listened to the first episode, um, not that long ago. And I loved how much you guys focused on breath work. It's like, fuck, it's what we're doing every day. (laughs) It was the stupidest thing when I, when I literally (laughs) thought one day, it's like, wait, that's the first thing we're granted. And the last thing we'll be able to do. That was such a brilliant way to put it. And that. it like, and it goes with everything scientifically. It, like it's across the board on it's connected with everything. And so it's, it's just such a weird, weird thing that we run from it so much. And we, but then we see how blinded we get. We see how addicted we get to screens, drugs, um, fame, whatever it may be, our ego. And, ego. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And so basically, and, 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 you know, some other things that, um, that I worked with, with, with my mentor was, um, was, you know, identifying why I did the stupid shit that I did, you know, and a lot of that, um, came back to fear. You know, I think I had a lot of fear and, um, you know, uh, identifying the things that I can put into my life to make, to make the desire to go back you know, further and further away. Get those out of there. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, taking care of, taking care of myself, you know, Mm -hmm. taking, just making sure my side of the street is clean. That's one thing I always say is, you know, I, I spend a lot of time trying to keep my side of the street clean. If I, if I do some dumb shit, which believe it or not, you know, let me not, don't fall out of your seat. 
I do dumb shit. <laughs> um, and so what I try to do is when I do dumb shit, I try to, I try to make it right as quick as I possibly can. And that's sometimes I got to pick up the phone. Sometimes I got to, you know, sometimes I've got to, um, you know, send a text message or, or, or have coffee with someone and apologize about some dumb shit that I did. Um, but it happens. And, um, the more I can correct stuff as I do them, um, the less that I let that just kind of fester inside of me. So you started changing your environment, oh, slow yeah. and steady. It took one person who finally answered a phone call and that created a platform of a number of things. Now we have, we're changing this environment over time that's slowly starting to balance out and become this actual father, Vaughn Wood like mm -hmm. person and not the substances and the fear and, and what was, was going on in the head. And that's kind of, that's, that's like a, when I look at this, that's kind of what, and I, told Jeff I was going to talk about some of, of my stuff and, and I haven't had near-death experiences like Vaughn but I've had the same sort of addictive personality and I found it very weird and interesting that when I came into this side of the field I wasn't an exerciser I didn't lift weights and do all that stuff I was drinking my ass off running from you know the death of my father and I got to a point where I changed it to another thing I started just exercising all the time but the funny thing about that is I didn't really change my environment. I changed the drinking to exercising and I exercised my ass off and every, and I was addicted to it. And it's the only thing that kept me going every day. And everybody, I was at my lowest point, not when I was drinking, but when I was exercising and everybody's like, Oh, but you're so healthy. Mm -hmm. Oh, but you're doing so good for yourself. And I'm like, no, I'm fucking running into the ground. Like this is a disaster. This is not good. And it, it, everybody gets kind of blinded by that stuff. But it is, it's like, it wasn't until I slowed down and I used the same field I was in. I used the exercise field to start slowing down, building relationships. And those relationships kind of built my community up better. And I started, you know, trying to be a better friend, trying to communicate better. And all of that stuff is is kind of like the same platform that, that you've done. Mm -hmm. You started this journey of self-breath and self-exploration and talking to somebody and challenging on a daily basis. Yes. Obviously now you're like enjoying food and things like that. I mean, you're not throwing up on a daily basis and stuff. <laughs> yes. So you have like a life with that. But then the, the real thing is you started moving. Mm -hmm. Like you found jujitsu. Oh yeah. I mean, so yeah. Uh, so I've always had a, I mean, always for as long as, as I can remember in my adult life, I've enjoyed martial arts, mm -hmm. um, all, all kinds. Um, and I mean, uh, I've just, I, I was never physically able to do it because I was fucked up all the time. <laughs> you know, I, I, I would always talk about it and you know, I was like, oh, I could do that. Oh, I'm I'd be the barroom tough guy. Oh, dude, people would have just choked the shit out of you back in the day. They'd have been like, this guy's drunk all the time. Choke his ass out. Um, no, but, uh, you know, I, I've always had a, I've always just been enamored by martial arts and I love them so much. And I've just, you know, I always wrote it off that I, I could never do it. I would never be able to do that. Um, and as I'm getting sober, 
I start realizing I'm like, man, I, I love this. I love sobriety and I, but I, I am, you know, I change. So when you, people get sober, one thing that's really important is changing people, places, and things. Right. So you, you, because you know, you've got to get the negative people, um, the people that put added pressure to go do this, go do that. You got to get those people out. You got to change those in with healthy influences. Um, you've got to stop going to the dumb places. You know, if you go to the barbershop long enough, you're going to get a haircut type stuff. Um, you know, you gotta, so, so going to the bars, whether I was drinking soda water or iced tea, had to cut that shit out. Um, you know, and, and, and the things, what was I doing? You know, you can only play, 2k so many hours in the day. Like I swear to God, (laughs) like you can only do it so long. Um, so I had to supplement it, um, with something. And, you know, I, I had fallen in love with jujitsu the, my, um, the little time that I did it. And I was like, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to get, I'm going to, it was so embarrassing to go back after quitting and I just didn't want to do it. And, um, you know, I did. And I went back and I went through the fundamentals. I didn't want to go back through that. I, you know, and I did and I showed up and I, you know, I pretty much never stopped showing up. Once I, (laughs) once I got in there, I never stopped showing up. Right. Isn't that the answer for like everything? Yeah. Just don't stop showing up. That's it. Good days, bad days. It's yeah. I mean, I, I tell my, I tell people new to sobriety, just stop, just keep showing up. You know, um, don't leave, don't leave, keep showing up, um, and don't drink and we're going to be all right. You know, if you keep showing up, things are going to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, is that not how it is with jujitsu? That's man, that, but that's how it is with everything that we talk about in the gym and mm-hmm. what Jeff and I are trying to talk about on this podcast all the time, because that is, that is you to like, it's, it's changing the environment putting out the bad, bringing in the good. If it's negative thoughts, if it's negative places you're at, whatever is negative, man, you got to get that stuff out. And people have to realize that no matter where they are today, they can be somewhere like extraordinary in five years. Yeah. I, I, uh, (laughs) it's funny. It's like, um, in my early stages of sobriety, I had an old, old man pull me aside and he said, he uh, asked what I was doing with the day. And I was like, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I guess go to work. I'll probably, you know, ride my bike because it's pretty much all I got to do and try to stay out of trouble. And he's like, why don't you do something good for someone and not get found out? Mm-hmm. And that has stuck in my head. And I try every single day to do something for someone else without getting recognized for it. Um, and I challenge everyone to do that. Think if we all as a society that's did that. The, that's the answer. That is I the mean, answer. it really is the feeling that you get when you do something for somebody else. You without know, like you said, getting recognized. Without getting recognized or whatever, even if that other person's the only person that knows, the feeling that you get is it's a high and like any I mean it makes you just feel good from the soul. Yeah. I you know, um one a friend of mine told me that what he, what he used to do is he would bring up his, he hated his neighbor and he would bring up his neighbor's trash cans. Um, I think that was a story either. He, 
either he didn't get along with his neighbor or his neighbor got on his nerves, but he would always bring his neighbor's trash cans up every, you know, every time they put the trash cans up and never tell him who was doing it. Um, and then just little things like that, um, uh, that I always, that always cracks me up, but just, you know, whether it's, you know, it can be something small, but, but you do it once a day and then all of a sudden you find yourself looking for ways to do it. And then that's just the way you live. All of a sudden, that's just the way you live. Yeah. I had a, I had a, one of my good friends, um, I took him to Colorado and we stayed with a couple of different people along this, this time. And we, we actually went to professor's fight versus cyborg back then. Oh yeah. So we, we went to that and we were, we were in somebody's house and then somebody else took care of us. And then of course, Raphael gave us tickets and we got back a couple of weeks after coming back. I got a phone call from one of the people and they said, can I get so-and-so's number? And I'm like, why? And they're like, well, man, he sent me a handwritten card, like thanking me for the stuff. And I was like, really? Well, he got the address himself there and like had this, he didn't say anything to me and it was a handwritten card. The next day, second person calls, same thing. The same day, professor walks in the gym. Hey, you know, tell so-and-so thank you. Like he, he sent me a really nice letter, you know? And I was like, God, man, like that had some powerful outreach. Like you could feel it. I was like, holy shit, just writing a letter for somebody goes a long ways, you know, where everybody was genuinely very happy. And um, so I'm, I'm totally with you on that. And I think that's kind of the thing where, where the actions speak louder than words. Like if us as a society are all trying to do good things unannounced for somebody, then a lot of good shit's going to be happening around. Yeah. I try really hard not to criticize those YouTube acts of kindness. Um, but man, they can, it's just like, you know, because at the end of the day, a good thing is a good thing. Right. Um, and you know, um, but man, just think if, if we're all doing it with the cameras off, what that feels like. I mean, you, we've all had this stuff happen to us where yeah. you have something really great happens and you have no idea who did it. You have no idea where it came from. And you're just like, ah, oh. you know, it just feels good. You're not, I'm not, it's not like you're starting the Starbucks coffee line. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> and, but these are the things we remember too. Like, um, you know, nobody, people remember, people don't, remember people for the way they look and how badass they are all the time. People remember how they made them feel at the end right. of the day. And I've always thought that's interesting being like in this field where aesthetics are something of so much value. Um, you know, everybody's obsessed with all this and it's like, and some of my favorite people don't have the greatest aesthetics, but they have like the greatest love and they're still at the end of the day, healthier than most people with the good aesthetics. Are you saying I don't have good aesthetics? Your aesthetics, I mean, then the, the stab wound is one of the sexiest things <laughs> out there. I mean, I would definitely let everybody know if you made like any, like a little EP or one day a single, I would definitely be shirtless on there with that. <laughs> That's definitely going to be some bars. Yeah, about for sure. Stabbed. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I just like, that's always an interesting thing. Like of just love that I started noticing. Cause I'm like stuck in this field that's obsessed with vanity shit but like really all i could remember and the people that i truly liked were of all shapes and sizes but they were healthier because they had that that movement they had that community and they just were every day continuing to change the environment for the better 
Yeah. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I think that, yeah, I definitely think that, um, I think it's becoming more, um, more prevalent. I, th- I think more people, um, you know, I, I, I think it's being, it's more hip now to be kind to your neighbors. Yeah. I think the trend is starting to catch on and I can, I can get behind that. And it's more hip to be broken now, right? Yeah. It's more hip for everybody. Like everybody is finally <laughs> willing to say like, I yeah. struggle with something and it's actually one of the greatest things that could happen because it, then it just shows that like, look, man, no matter who you are and no matter how good everything looks, there's going to be something that's bothering you. And to each individual, like we don't know how much it affects them personally. Mm-hmm. It might not affect me at all if it was bothering me, but it might affect them to a point of, of disaster where they're looking at the same sort of things you went through. Yeah, for sure. And you know, if there are people out there that are going through those things, I just, I urge them to find what, you know, um, to, to seek help because that is a lonely, lonely, lonely place. And, um, you know, I, I think had I known how to ask for help or, or that help was available, not even that I, cause I, I still to this day don't even know exactly how I asked for help. Um, you know, it, it, it is available. Um, and it just takes, you know, just reaching out to someone around, you know, someone you care about, someone you love and, um, you know, People fear that they've burned every bridge, but that's never the case. There's there's always somebody, and, and maybe in your case, it was somebody you didn't even know. Right. But somebody also gave you that number, right? Somebody yes. cared about you enough to say, I'm going to give you somebody who can help you. That person was there. There's always somebody, and you may think you've irreparably burned a bridge to some degree, but I would venture to say that that's never the case. But that's very people fair. people that care about you. When it when it comes down to it, when you are at your most vulnerable, when you are at your lowest spot, you may have done nothing but wrong to them over time, but there will be people there that will care for you and will mm-hmm. will help you when you're genuine, right? And that's mm-hmm. when you when you really need it, you really want it. Um, you'll find somebody if you look for it. Yeah. So, two near death experiences, all sorts of sh- shit, hell for years, and almost. 12, 13, 14 years later, now we're not just doing jujitsu. Now you're, you're a badass dude. I mean, like you're, you move, you've got all these techniques. You're on the verge of continuing to climb up and rank and all these things, man. Like now, what is it like? And what does jujitsu do for you? What does it mean to you? Man? Um, I think it, you know, I, 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 I'd be remiss if, if I didn't talk about the, the beginning of getting back to jujitsu, because I think a lot of people, um, I always talk, I always try to talk to people, um, you know, just like people new to sobriety. I try to talk to people new to jujitsu too. Um, you know, I had the hardest competition road. I was terrible. I sucked. I lost, I lost, I lost, I lost, I lost. I always lost. I felt like I was never going to win a tournament. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Why is jujitsu so damn hard? And it's like, 
you know, but I kept going and I kept showing up and I kept trying and I kept, you know, and I had really good, I had really good people in my corner and it's like, you know, kind of hit, you know, it was about halfway through the blue belt stage before it clicked, you know, before I won my first tournament before, you know, I, I was, then I started winning bigger tournaments and bigger tournaments and bigger tournaments. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you know, you kind of take off and, um, but it was just like everything in my life at this point, I had to, it had to suck for a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, so now, you know, uh, it's almost, it's all, almost unreal. It's, um, jujitsu is so fun. Um, I think this is the level that I would sit on the mats as a white belt and watch and think, wow, like that purple belt or those brown belts are actually having fun. They're yeah. tweaking their game that is already badass, and they already have these these certain things that they do so well that are so good. And, and I'm, I'm just now approaching that stage of my jujitsu journey, um, where I'm getting to play with things that already work really well for me. Um, and getting to improve things that already work for me so well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the, that is when jujitsu gets fun and t- continues to stay fun. Um, you know, I, and I think we're all kind of in that, in that boat how we're um getting to explore things that weren't always the best parts about jujitsu um adding parts to our game in 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 the gym not the jujitsu gym but the you know wherever you wherever you work out whether it's you know um certain kettlebell exercises or certain mobility exercises with luke or um movement stuff you know um all of those things, getting to add those to your jujitsu game, um, you know, flexibility, mobility, mm-hmm. uh, just, str- strength workout, you know, it brings more life like to the practice and then like, to yourself. Yeah. 100%. And, you know, and I find jujitsu used to be an escape for me, um, as like an escape from my everyday, like grind. And now it, you know, it's now it's it, part of you. It's just life now. I I I, I don't. Yeah, um, I I that I think you know the three of us at this table share a common thing, and I think it's really been more evident in the last couple of years where we really started to understand. Like, it took me for a long time to even take it seriously. Like I was always playing around. I wanted to do it, but it was just like about doing it and not trying to learn. And then like realizing who our tribe is like realizing <laughs> who talks who i can call every single day and talk about jujitsu and um that is insane i mean we run around with world champions and some of the greatest of all time in professor lovato and in in shanji and solo and the james Papalo, the adamson brothers you've got matt jubera who's an absolute killer i mean these guys are are the top of the food chain and so i think it's like interesting how our perspective of martial arts has all changed too um we've all been coming up with a lot of other people in the city and stuff and everybody's doing good stuff i'm not trying to talk about anybody else's things but I'm, there's a difference when you get to talk to a, a professor Raphael and victor 
and those guys, there's just that world-class knowledge. Oh, 100%. That is, it's samurai-esque and it has a feeling. And what I mean by this whole little rant is like, even last the last match we were at, you know, things didn't go our way completely, but just being in the back, like yeah. you, we love those moments because of the feeling. Like we're sitting back there with, you know, Shanji, um, Professor Raphael, Victor, Felipe, you, I, Professor Dallas. I mean, that's like, that's what this whole journey, that's what the bad days are about of like those moments of getting together and feeling that, that true level of like grind and that true leader who's, who's put an environment for us to all continue to grow. Yeah. And, um, man, per, Professor Raphael is definitely the guy when you talk about leading from the front, um, you know, he's constantly fighting matches that you're, you know, that on paper seem so difficult and there's so many other maybe easier matches. Mm -hmm. Um, and he always, always wants the toughest match and he is constantly looking not for the big payday, not for, he wants the match that means the most to him and to his legacy. Mm -hmm. And, um, shit i get behind that every single day and i would add on to that though on the complete other end of it he also cares so much about each and every one of us my yes. very first competition he barely knew my name i was a white belt <laughs> i'd been training for like six months and he's yeah. in my corner for three matches coaching me right like so i've got yeah. a world champion one of the greatest ever just so invested in my performance as yeah. a six-month white belt that i wasn't even done with the trial period yet and I may not even be sticking around, but he was there in my corner. So he also encompasses that, like that mentor, that coach that just, he pours so much of himself, not just into his success, but all of our success. And I think that's why you have become, it's, it's, you went through that journey to get, to get sober. And then you've had him pouring in, you've had these people yeah. that, that, that are these just world-class people that pour into you as well. That makes such and a there's a considerable, a considerable amount of work that's got to be done to even earn, you know, like before, like you've always been had a relationship with him, but it took like going through showing up, showing up, yeah. showing up, showing up. And then all of a sudden, you know, that just grows into true mentorship, true friendship. Um, it's, it's a really cool thing, man. We've, uh, Vaughn, I just can't tell you how much I appreciate you sharing this. Um, one, I think it just matters for having gone through that to share that with other people who we know there are other people out there, maybe somebody listening to this that has gone through that. Mm -hmm. And I just hope and pray that they follow that path that you did because what you've done, the things that you have done and gone through allow you to be there for somebody like me who looks at you as an inspiration, as somebody who has has given me confidence and so thank you for for not giving up because people may think they're the only one out there but you know Vaughn doesn't realize the impact he's necessarily had just on my life just by being around me and jujitsu and everything and so if you're out there going through that like you do matter and like get through it fight find somebody like Vaughn or somebody that he's dealt with to get through it because it will change other people's lives in the future um, not just yours but other people's so um, Vaughn, I want to give you a, a minute here to 
some closing remarks, if there's something, just like a last word you want to leave with people before we get out of here. Yeah, for sure. Um, thank you so much again for that, Jeff. Um, you know, not to like toot my own horn, but I get that inspiration. You know, I, I always, anytime I post something about my sobriety, um, I get 10 times more, um, direct messages or comments or text messages based on my sobriety than I do anytime I hit the podium, anytime I win a medal, um, because that's real life shit. Um, you know, if you are out there and you are struggling with this shit, um, it is real. People do die every day. Um, and you know, it's, you know, for someone like me, there were three options. You know, they always said there are three options, either sober up, you either die or you go to jail and like, like long time jail, not weekend pokey jail. You go long time jail. And, um, so I'm so grateful that I was able to make decisions in my life. And I had people in my life help me make those decisions to get sober. Um, but just to echo what Jeff said, um, you do matter, you know, if, if you're out there and you're struggling, you do matter. Um, and I, I urge you to find your people and to find those things, um, uh, you know, to get you to then that next point. Um, yeah, because, you know, life is so great. The, these moments are so great. And, um, yeah, I, I, I thank you guys so much for creating this platform, not just for me, but for the, you know, the future guests that you guys will have. Um, you guys are doing really, really great stuff here. Well, I think it's um, at least something we can do, at least in our, our inner circle, everybody in green strength listening to this, everybody at Lovato's um, and just out there listening to us in general. The challenge is pretty easy now. It's do something for somebody else. So when you hear this message, go do something for somebody else, do a kind, um, act of service and, you know, be unannounced, announce it, whatever you want to do, just do something for others. And if we're all continuously trying to do that every single day, I think, um, we're going to have a pretty damn good circle around us and, and pretty strong environment. So that's what I urge everybody to do. I love it. Hey, Vaughn, tell people where they can follow you on social media so they can see about your journey and everything you're going through, all the success you're having in life now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, pretty much all of my stuff is at Landon Vaughn at uh, L-A-N-D-O-N-V-O-N. Check them out. You can follow them all over the place. Mm -hmm. Coach, hit them with your info too. At Green Strength IV, and the website is GreenStrengthHQ.com. Man. We are just going to keep rolling, bringing you more content every single week. So please make sure you subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform, whatever that may be. And please share this with a friend. Um, man, I think this is the most powerful podcast I've ever been a part of. And so I'm just thankful we had the opportunity to do it. So again, thank you so much, Vaughn, for sharing your story and your journey with us. And everybody, please keep coming back every single week. And thank you so much for being a part of the Green Strength community. We're going to continue getting back to the fundamentals and the basics so that we can move forward in strength and movement and life and everything that we do. We'll see you next week.